Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. What happened if you say what you Hey friends, say. I'm here with Brian, who's our producer. Welcome, Brian, to the show. Hi, how's it going? I'm so glad that you're with us, and we have a wonderful show today. This is part two, and it's warning the dangers of progressive Christ- Christianity with A. Lisa Childers. You guys, you gotta look her up at alisachilders.com. I really encourage you to go to her website. Check it out. And while you're there, maybe you can't find it, come to our website. We're going to have a link that goes directly to her site so that you can look it up at himforher.org. H-I-M, a number four, her.org. And what do we do? There are five initiatives, helping women inside and outside of prison, being free in Jesus Christ. Radio is just one of them. The other is speaking. We do prison ministry. We do um, uh, prison housing as well and prison mentoring. So please support us as we help women inside and out of prison. Um, And I think what's really important today is oftentimes we can be in a prison and not even understand it, and you don't have to be within the walls of prison. What am I talking about? You can get lured into something that maybe you didn't know wasn't the truth, wasn't what God's will was for your life. And we're talking today about progressive Christianity, and I really want you to listen to part one as you hear about her author, you hear about her biography, what brought her to this point, But I'm going to ask her a question right off the get-go. It's a big question, Alisa. I hope you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) So the very first question I want to ask you is for the moms out there and the dads as parents. How can you encourage parents to take responsibility in teaching their children to discern in what they hear in church, in school, and even in the media? How do we know that what they're teaching us follows and aligns with the Bible? This is such a good question, and I'm so glad you asked it because it's so it's so crucial for parents. And I'm going to say something that might sound a little bold, but if you if anyone listened to the episode we recorded last time, I told a little bit of my story about going to this church that ended up going progressive, and I believe strongly, Shug, that one of the main reasons I came out on the other side, of course, is God holding on to me and the Holy Spirit and all of that. But a huge factor was how my parents taught me to discern. It was a completely normal experience for me to drive home with my parents after church, listening to them talk about the sermon, even disagreeing with each other sometimes. Well, I don't know if that was, let's go to the scriptures and see what the scriptures say. I'm not sure that I agree with that point. And then my dad would maybe disagree with my mom. My mom might disagree with my dad. So it was this environment of, hey, our authority is the Bible. And it's okay to question what the pastor says. In fact, it was it was encouraged. It was something that was not off the table in our house. And so I did not grow up with the perception that you just have to take what somebody says from the pulpit pulpit at face value. And so I think because of that, when this pastor was saying all of these things that really went against what I believed the gospel was and what I believed about the Bible, uh, I praise God that the Lord gave me the good sense to say, okay, I got to find somebody else that has a different opinion. I got to go to scripture and find out if what he's saying lines up. And even when it came to why I believe the Bible is the word of God, questioning some of the things he was saying about that and saying, okay, I'm going to get a second opinion on 
this, you know? And so I think it's extremely important for us to, of course, we have to shelter our kids in an age appropriate way, but we also can't hide them away from the world and then throw them out to college and expect them to be able to wade through all of this. And so with my kids, you can tell I'm passionate about this with my kids, uh, we'll watch popular movies, but we stop, we pause, we talk about it. And I'll ask my kids, what, what do you think they're wanting you to believe about the world? What are the people who are being portrayed as the good guys doing? What are the people who are being portrayed as the bad guys doing? And, you know, do you agree? That's what a good guy does. Is that what a bad guy does? How does this reflect reality? Is this reflect true good, true evil? Asking all kinds of questions to discern and always measure what they're watching against scripture so that they don't have to be afraid of the movie, but they'll be able to discern it. And just very quickly, one of the things that really clued me into this is working is I made the decision to take my daughter to see Frozen 2. And I know that was kind of controversial. A lot of parents were like, you shouldn't have them see it. But we had talked a lot about other worldviews. And in the first five minutes of the movie, when there's the elements of the spirit and the water and fire, my daughter nudges me and she goes, mom, that's pantheism. Mm. And I was like, it's working. <laughs> she recognized it immediately. So it, it works. And we just have to teach them and walk them through. And it takes a lot of energy and effort. But it's just an all day, everyday thing. You know, that's just great tips, good suggestions. I agree wholeheartedly with all of it. Um, you know, my kids listen and they'll remember if they would get into trouble once in a while, I would have them go to scripture and write down a couple of things. What does the Bible say about this based on, mm. on, on what they had done? Um, as well as we would watch a lot of Christian movies, or maybe they do something on the TV about the Bible and I'd pause it and say, wait, wait a minute. I don't think that's in the Bible. Let's look it up. And I don't believe that's the way it went. Let's look it up. And I think it should still be the same way today when you go to church. I do want you to listen with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart and your eyes so you can hear what the truth is. Um, And don't just take it for face value. But, you know, there's a lot of fabulous pastors out there that are speaking truth. And there are some of the churches that are starting to, to fade away into more the socialistic type of culture that we're living in today. And it's up to us. As moms, I believe we're going to have a responsibility when we see Jesus face to face to make sure that we're towing the line on discernment and teaching our kids what the right way is. And it's not too late. You might even have adult children. Start praying now. Um, And it's not too late to um, start to teach them in that area as well. Great tips. I loved your Lego illustration. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So in my book, I talk about a Lego set I built with my daughter. And the reason I use Legos as my analogy is because when I was on this journey to discover what is historic Christianity, what, what you know, what is it that makes Christianity unique in the world? What's defined it for 2000 years? What did Jesus and the apostles pass down to us? I thought about Legos because if you have a Lego set that you've spent a lot of time building, and this is what happened with my daughter and I, it was a dragon and she was really excited about it. It took three days to put this thing together, but then it fell after it was built and it just, it just fell apart so easily. So we decided to go back and get the manual out and figure out how far back we'd need to go to rebuild the Lego set. You know, I talk about the Lego bin of doom, you know, some Lego sets that we build, if they break, you just break it apart and throw it in the Lego bin of doom. But this one meant a lot to us. So we wanted to go back and put it back together properly. And what we discovered was that early on, we had a piece in wrong and that made the whole structure weak. And so if we think of Christianity that way, you know, there are some beliefs that are more important than others. These core essential building blocks, these foundational pieces, they all have to be in the right place 
place. And then as you build out your Christianity, you know, you can have a piece on rung on the outside or even decorate it differently than somebody else might. But if you've got those inner core pieces incorrectly, then it's going to withstand a bout of suffering. It's going to withstand, you know, the, the winds of, of doubt and all kinds of things blowing against it. And so I, I love to think of our faith like that Lego set, you know, all the pieces are not of equal importance. Those, those inner building blocks that form the structure and foundation, those are the most important ones. And, and the gospel is like that too. We have core essential building blocks. So ladies, if you're just tuning in, uh, we are with Elisa Childers, and we're talking about the warning, you know, basically warning the danger signs of progressive Christianity. And I really want you to listen to this because our families, our kids, our sisters, our brothers are getting lured away into a type of a church or a philosophy that doesn't line with Scripture. And you had a great illustration in your book. And by the way, it's called Another Gospel. Please go on our website at himforher.org. And write in the info line, Another Gospel, and I'll send you a copy to the first five people for free. You guys got to read it. It's really an excellent book. In the book, you talk about your Nana's recipe and how that correlates with historic Christianity. Would you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So if we're thinking about like, what are those key building blocks to the gospel, to Christianity, it just made me think of my grandma's peach cobbler recipe. Cause when I was a kid, I went and spent the night with her and I wanted to learn how to make her peach cobbler because it was so famous in our family. And so when I asked her to do that, I thought she was going to turn around and get a recipe card out, <laughs> but she knew it off the top of her head. Cause it was so simple. Cup of, cup of, cup of, cup of flour, cup of sh- uh, sugar, and then a cup of canned peaches with the juice. You put it all in the thing and bake it up. And of course she'd put a bunch of butter on top of it. But she didn't need to write it down because it was simple and easy to remember. And so I compare that with creeds in the Bible. So creeds for the earliest Christians were just very short sayings that were easy to memorize, easy to repeat and learn. And they summarized the core beliefs and the gospel for those earliest Christians. And many Christians are unaware that our New Testament contains creeds that some go even all the way back to within a couple years of Jesus' death, uh, even though the, the actual New Testament book wasn't written until you know, 20 years later or so. And so we have, in a nutshell, what the earliest Christians believed the gospel was. And so the, the oldest creed, arguably the earliest creed most scholars believe goes back to within a couple years of Jesus' death, is found in 1 Corinthians 15. And in that creed, Paul is, is saying to us, you know, I'm I'm passionate passing down to you what I received. And that's kind of how we can recognize creeds in the New Testament. That's one of the ways. And he says, this is of utmost importance. And so I love that even right there from Paul, we know that not all Christian beliefs are on the same level. There are going to be beliefs that we can be brothers and sisters in Christ and disagree with each other about those things. But there are some things we can't really agree to disagree about. And so Paul said, I'm going to give you some of those. I'm going to give you some of those core building blocks. We can't agree to disagree on these. And uh, I don't know if you want to go into the creed, but it's it's so robust for such an early creed. I just, I love 1 Corinthians it 15. It is. And- you know, I love your illustration, a cup of this, a cup of that, a cup of that. So here's the cups. Ladies, I want you to make sure you understand this. First uh, Corinthians 15, 3, for what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, meaning this is really important, that Christ died for our sins. That's the first cup, according to the scriptures. That's super important. That he was buried. That's another cup. And that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And then it continues to go on 
um, as to what had happened thereafter. But I think, wouldn't you say, Elisa, that that is the core of the entire scripture? Yes. And, and really, this early creed, a lot of people don't realize this early creed refutes progressive Christianity because you have that Christ died for our sins. He wasn't just crucified for speaking truth to power. He wasn't just uh, submitting himself to the bloodlust of an angry mob. There was a divine reason that he died for our sins. And often in progressive Christianity, that is referred to as cosmic child abuse, the idea that God the Father would require the blood sacrifice of his son. But this is what the earliest Christians believed Jesus died on the cross for. There was there was a substitutionary element, meaning that Jesus dying on the cross, he took my place. He was my substitute. He got what I deserved. And the earliest Christians believed this. And then, of course, they're backing that up with scripture. They're backing that up with evidence that he was buried. And then you have the physical resurrection of Jesus. This is another thing that's really, you know, you can believe that or not believe in a progressive Christianity. It's really not that essential, but it is essential. In fact, Paul goes on later in that same chapter to say, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain and you're still in your sins. So if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead in reality as a real event in history, Paul is saying, essentially Christianity is just not true. It's that important. And so I love this early creed because it's so robust for the first century. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, you know, the resurrection is the turning point of our whole entire faith that, mm. you know, Jesus is next to God interceding on our behalf. Um, ladies, I just think it's crucial that you understand and know what truth is um, and what's happening in this world as far as the enemy is a liar and he wants to twist and turn things just enough where it's not a saving faith, my friends. Um, and so you talk about cultural elements in the progressive church and you also talk about um, that doubt. Doubt is almost the cornerstone of the progressive church. Can you share a little bit about that? It really is. It's, it's really what I would call a culture of doubt. In progressive Christianity, they're really uh, sort of allergic to the concept of certainty or assurance. If we are certain about what we believe about God, if we're certain about believing that Jesus was raised from the dead or that he is God, and even some of these core issues, you're going to be viewed in the progressive church as being a little bit less enlightened, less mature. If you're that certain, you must just be reacting out of some kind of fear or something like that. And so it creates this culture of agnosticism, essentially, uh, this, this constant state of not knowing what you believe. Because if you claim to be certain about something, especially when it comes to your faith, uh, well, you just probably haven't thought about it hard enough. And so if you come to questions like, is Jesus God with more of an I don't know answer, you're viewed as more enlightened. You're viewed as uh, being more spiritually mature and open and not fearful. And so it really does create this culture of doubt where you're just drifting in a boat from you know, and you have no anchor, nothing to really stand upon. And uh, and I think that's one of the things that that is so sad with progressive Christianity is you really lose that firm foundation. Mm-hmm. And you talk about that doubt in progressive Christianity as being like a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you also referred uh, a little bit earlier to your own personal faith. And in your book, you said, faith is not a blind leap. It involves knowledge that God has spoken and is trustworthy. And yeah. friends, you know, we can talk all day long about what doubts some people have Um, And that's okay to have doubts. That's okay to question God. It's okay to come to God. What do you think we can do as a church 
uh, Elisa, to help us be more welcoming in that area and um, welcome people's doubts and questions. Yeah, I think that this is an area the church can really approve upon. A lot of people who have gone through deconstruction or gone into progressive Christianity will say that, you know, I had these questions about what I believed in when I went to my church leaders. They said, well, you don't, we don't ask those questions here. Or, you know, don't doubt, just have faith. And they viewed doubting as some sort of a spiritual weakness or a spiritual disease. When in reality, I really think honest doubt now, there's a difference between honest doubt and, you know, making the decision that you're out and then looking for justification for that. But honest doubt, I think we should welcome in our churches. I think this is something that we should be patient and let somebody take the time they need to walk through a particular issue that they might be doubting, disciple them through it, point them toward truth, but not be afraid of those questions because the gospel really can stand up to scrutiny. And I think if we could be more welcoming when people do question, like, why do we believe this, mm-hmm. rather than react in fear. Say, well, we've got lots of good reasons. Would you like to know some of them? Yeah. Amen. Well said. And, you know, if you go to your church, you go to your pastor, go to someone you trust who knows Jesus Christ and ask these questions, and you're still not getting uh, possibly as much information or knowledge as you would like, you can go to our website, himforher.org, H-I-M, number four, um, her, so it's him, God, for her.org, and put it in the info. Send me the questions. I mean, we welcome questions. We welcome doubts because you know why? Because God is truth. And the more that we can share with you about Jesus Christ, um, the more that you're aware. And I don't want you to be led astray by people who are just trying to say, oh, well, that's the church. Don't doubt. Don't say anything. Just jump in with blind faith. Um, And I really encourage you to, as well, listen to Elisa's podcasts. They're so informative. She talks about just a huge variety of topics. And I really encourage you to go there, scroll through, and see maybe some of these questions that you have are on her podcast that she's already addressed. It's just a wealth of knowledge. Can you share with our listeners what your webpage is? Yeah, you can go to elisachilders.com. I'm on YouTube, so you can go to youtube.com slash elisachilders. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at elisachilders. But the, you know, if you want just information on all of that and about the book, just go to elisachilders.com, and there'll be links to all of that there. So I'm just going to bait you a little bit. Whet your appetite, friends. Uh, here's a couple of the topic titles that she's had on her podcast. How to Survive College with Your Christian Faith Intact. That's huge. I mean, you know, uh, you, you go to college and you're listening to all these theories and all these different philosophies, how to keep your Christian faith intact. Another one is how can Christians speak biblical truth into a toxic uh, cancel culture? That was one of my favorites that you did. Another is your church teaching new age ideas. I mean, these are things to listen to so that you have discernment so that you're aware. Maybe another podcast you want to listen to is how to escape the toxic culture of self-affirmation. And the list goes on and on. Five signs your church might be heading toward progressive Christianity. Three reasons Christians should be evidential investigators instead of experiential junkies. I love that. That's so good. <laughs> uh, you know, we are. We live in a world of experience. Oh, well, how did you experience? What did it feel like? Did you feel the Holy Spirit? No, ladies, you've got to get into God's Word and Scripture. Yes. And I, I have to share with you when... I, I went to church my whole entire life, and I can genuinely say when I was young, I did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It wasn't until I opened his word up through a study, and I began to study God's word that he leapt into my heart through the Holy Spirit, 
and built that relationship. And I can also tell you in truth, ladies, that Jesus is alive and well. I've seen miracles. I've seen demons cast out. I've seen things that you would never have even believed were possible through the power of prayer. So I'm the first one to tell you he's alive, he's well, and Satan is a liar, and he's trying to deceive us through some of these cultures that are out there. So I wanted to bring this warning to you as well. Okay, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to continue to ask Elisa a couple more questions before we wrap up, if I could. What can what suggestions would you have for us, Elisa, if we find that there's a friend or a family or people we know that have fallen into a progressive Christianity church, what would you start that conversation looking like? So there's going to be some things you want to diagnose before you decide a plan of action on how to talk to a friend who might be into this. You're really going to have to do some diagnosis as to the why behind why they're being sort of persuaded by these ideas. Is there a wound there that you're aware of? Have they been hurt by their church? Uh, Have they experienced some kind of trauma related with their church experience? Because if that's the case, you're not going to want to come in with guns blazing like, hey, that's wrong. That's false. Here's why. Here's the, you know, just here's the information. Why aren't you believing it. Uh, There's probably going to need to be some healing in in that first and acknowledging this is hugely healing for people, acknowledging the failures of a previous church. If there was an abusive pastor, acknowledge that and, and affirm that that's wrong, that Jesus hates that. The gospel speaks against that. That is not a, abuse of, of the sheep is something that Jesus hated. It's, it's all throughout the Old Testament. God was so hard on religious leaders that were abusive with sheep. Just acknowledging that those failures can go a really long way to opening up dialogue. So starting with that, the why, and, and you know, another why could just be maybe you're discerning that in your friend, they're just really got some good old fashioned rebellion. Like I don't want to follow biblical morality because I'm going to get hated on by my friends, you know, and that might take you in a different direction. Um, But my gut says that if they're wanting to hang on to Christianity, there's a reason they're wanting to hang on to it. And so maybe meet in the middle and start with Jesus. I think that's a great conversation to have with people who are persuaded by this, by saying, look, if we're Jesus followers, would you agree that our beliefs on things should line up with what Jesus believed? And then you can take them through the gospels and see what Jesus had to say about the Bible. Jesus had quite a bit to say about the Old Testament scriptures. He called them the word of God over and over and over again. And of course, in progressive Christianity, they don't view that as the word of God. So are we going to agree with Jesus or this new movement that's changing everything? You know, and that's, that's something that people have got to wrestle with. So I think starting with Jesus, starting with diagnosis, going to Jesus is a really good place to start. And then, you know, just be led of the Lord and make sure that the loved one or the friend in your life knows you love them. They can feel that you love them. You're not just trying to throw truth bombs at them, but you're wanting to walk through this with them. Mm -hmm. And that can go a really long way. You know, you brought up the best point. Let's get the love thing right, friends. And let's love them in Christ and start with Jesus. Um, And, you know, I really encourage you too as well to pray first Pray before you speak to your friend. Mm. Pray before you um, decide to to approach this topic. And wait for God as well uh, for that right moment for him to open that conversation up. Um, and maybe you're having a cup of coffee. Why don't you invite him out for a cup of coffee? You know, there's a variety of different things that we could do. But I think that it's really important that you pray. We get the love thing right. And we understand what the truth is of Jesus Christ. 
Elissa, we're out of time. I'm so mm. bummed. Thank you so much for coming on our show, sharing your wisdom, sharing your knowledge. Um, you know, there's a topic that we didn't get to that I hope that you come back to on some of your podcasts as well. And that's about public schools and the influence that they're having on some of the culture of our children, um, and which is helping us sway into that direction. Mm. Uh, that could be a whole show topic right there. But yeah, thank you for good. coming on. How can we be praying for you? Well, thank you so much for that. Um, you know, just always pray for strength, um, for a good balance between speaking truth, but uh, always, I always want to be charitable. I want to assume the best in people. But at the same time, you know, we have to call out error. We're biblically mandated to do that. Mm-hmm. So pray for my family, my kids. Always just pray that my kids will know Jesus and walk with him all the days of their life. That's my main prayer request. Amen. Amen. Please know that we're praying for that. And ladies, you know, I love you. This is Shugbury, Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics, over and out. Hey, ladies, this is Shugbury, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him for Her Crazy Testimonies. And each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony, how they received Christ in their life. This is Shug Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.